0: Welcome, my name is Cindy Lopez, the host of this CHC podcast, Voices of Compassion. We hope you find a little courage, feel connected, and experience compassion every time you listen. Growing up is a process of moving toward independence, becoming your own person, and meeting your own needs. In our episode today, we talk about launching and the parental role in a child's transition into adulthood. We know this process looks different for everyone, for some a bumpier or more meandering path than for others. So how can you best prepare your child for a smooth launch? In today's podcast episode, we welcome CHC's Chief Psychiatrist and Medical Director, Dr. Vidya Krishnan, as she shares her expertise, wisdom, and practical takeaways for supporting your child now for life on their own, while instilling the
1: confidence that they'll need to fly. Welcome, Dr. Krishnan. Thank you, Cindy. It's so lovely to be here. One of my most favorite tasks as a child and adolescent psychiatrist is successfully seeing kids launched into adulthood and their eventual future, and I'm happy to be talking about it. Thanks so much for being with us
0: today let's talk about launching. So for today's conversation, we're focusing on individuals who are transitioning from dependence on parents and caregivers to greater independence or some self-sufficiency. So I'm just wondering, what are you seeing in
1: your practice right now? And how are people being impacted by this? It's the eternal question, right? As a species, biologically speaking, that is what the task is. You are born, you're raised to eventually succeed in the world on your own terms, doing what everybody else is doing. Obviously, over the years, this has looked very different. I think there are particular challenges that are happening in today's world that make this a more challenging process for both individuals and families, I would probably like to talk about it both at an individual level, at a parent-caregiver level, and maybe even at a family or community level, because Each of those things have changes in ways that we are still coming to terms with. Like, for example, at an individual level, I think the divide lies in the digital versus the analog universe, if Hmm. you will. You know, we are raising children who are digital natives. But what has happened is a large part of the world outside is actually still very analog. And I think kids are very surprised to realize that so much of things in the world outside is not completely surrounded in the digital universe, and they find themselves actually somewhat out of sync because of that reason. The other important thing, when we think of it from a parent-caregiver standpoint, is that this is a very important developmental stage, like all the other milestones we have looked at, whether it's walking, talking, dancing, singing, whatever it is, when you can do it, how you can. Do it. This is an important developmental stage, but because of how the world has shifted, what this stage looks like hmm. is actually in a big stage of flux right now. It is changing and kind of piggybacking on that going into the more family community standpoint there's always been this unsaid social contract that somehow a person is fully cooked and ready uh, (laughs) at age 18 like it's a magic switch that will just turn on or off at the age of 18 and that brings up with it a lot of said and unsaid expectations which I think sometimes harms us more than helps us actually.
0: I think that expectation of 18, okay, you're out of the house, you're on your own, you're starting college, you're independent. What if there are individuals who don't follow that path? And for whatever reasons, developmentally are just at a different place. So I'm wondering, in the context of this conversation, what does launching successfully look like? And just based on comments
1: we just made, like, do we need to change expectations of launching? I agree with you. First, to start with is what does launching really look like and what are the components of launching? Because I think too often we conceptualize launching in a very narrow context where my kid graduates high school and gets into college. Launched, right? I shudder to say it, but there's so many other complex parts of launching that kind of go along with it, which include things like, do you know how to budget? Do you know how to use money? Do you know how to independently go through a day? And it sounds simple, but Here we're talking about things like I wake up to an alarm. I know everything I've got to do with the day. I have to take care of myself. I have to do immediate things and long-term things and keep all of these balls constantly juggled in a way that by the end of the week, I am at the place I imagine myself wanting to be. It includes for many people negotiating healthcare, health systems. It Mm. includes making your... Family to be, if you will, your relationships, what companionship and friendships look like. It also includes making life direction changes towards determining a career, eventually, what will be a source of financial independence. I mean, the number of things, it's a hydra headed monster almost of all of these moving parts that need to fit in together to make the wheel of launching, if you will. And As the world has gotten complicated, launching has gotten complicated. So I think we absolutely must change internal and external expectations.
0: It's interesting when you were just talking about managing money and all those things, but even little things like laundry. What if you're 18 years old going off to college and your clothes have magically appeared on your bed all washed and folded for your life? It's like, oh, well, I wonder how that happened. Or even eating. Lots of individuals go off to college and they're in a setting where everything is Available to them, right? And so there are just all kinds of elements of what this person will be as they grow in independence. So, thinking about all those things, it seems like it can be a complex process because it impacts so many areas of life, as we just noted school, work, health, housing, relationships. So, no wonder it can be a stressful time for the individual as well as families. And What are some of the mental health considerations to be aware of during this launching time?
1: I think it helps our cause to start with where you began this conversation. It really helps to think of launching as a really broad and extremely long ramp. It's not as something that happens overnight. You start thinking about when the kid's like in 11th grade or 17 years old. It's something you start thinking about where you're building independence-related goals right from the beginning because in a way, I know it's maybe a simplistic or a reductionistic way of thinking, but everything that's worth doing is hard and requires practice. Um, Launching is just one such thing. When you think of laundry, each of these tasks has many component parts. And if you start this journey when the kid is, say, six, when the clothes might appear (laughs) magically folded, but if they have to put it back in piles in their closet or at some age... Maybe they're not doing the laundry, but they are responsible to bring their bin to the laundry so that yeah. they know it needs to be done. Or they're at an age where they have to press the relevant buttons. So what I'm doing here is I'm breaking up these tasks, all of mm-hmm. them, into age developmental stage related little, little, little tiny bits where every weekend maybe you spend 10 minutes doing this thing that actually cumulatively makes up the various spokes of the launching wheel And I can give you examples of something like this in almost every thing that you talked about, where you make the child slowly more responsible Mm. for smaller bits, right? Today, you start doing it. And then once that is yours, that becomes part of your recipe. Not unlike, say, you're building a complicated lasagna. Sheet by sheet, layer by layer, (laughs) you build it up till you have the whole lasagna if you will or enchilada if that's what you prefer <laughs> but mental health is a good one for various reasons when this ramp is either filled with a lot of potholes or the journey is not going as anticipated even when all of these little efforts have been made over a very long period of time it creates a lot of stress and relationship conflict right because there's anger resentment on both mm-hmm. parties because the parents want the child to take ownership. The child wants to have ownership and wants the parent not to be involved because that is the developmental and the social contract, seemingly. Yeah. And then it creates a lot of tension. And then everybody is kind of in a crisis situation. They're feeling like, oh, my God, what is happening here? How will we manage this? But again, the answer to that, you know, is you go back to the basics. What I mean by that is you still have to build roam one brick at a time so even in that situation it's not like you're going to be able to full-heartedly download an app that will suddenly teach this child all of these skills and they'll just open these files and it'll all just be there it still is one skill at a time one brick at a time but because the person is now 17 not six it -hmm. goes a little faster when you try it chc's voices of compassion podcast is made possible by the generosity of people like you to learn more about supporting CHC, go to chconline.org donate. Also, make sure to follow us on social media for more inspiring and educational content from CHC.
0: So we talked about launching. We talked about what the areas of life that it impacts and mental health. We're at CHC. So let's talk about learning differences. What happens when you layer on any learning differences or learning challenges to this period of time in life? How does that
1: impact it? Significantly, right? Because by definition, learning difference means that this person learns differently. It's pretty Mm -hmm. much in the word. I think the best way to approach it is the way we approach it for education. What do we do for kids with learning differences? We modify the education in a way that is digestible to this person. What we're saying here with learning difference is that this person learns differently, not that they're incapable of learning. It's a very important, significant distinction. The same is true for other parts of life. What you have to do in these circumstances is you have to teach them and to train them in a way they learn best. Say, for example, me as a person doesn't have a learning difference. Let's assume maybe I was taught to adult in a very specific manner. I may not be able to copy paste that and do that to my child who may have a learning difference. This is definitely one of those circumstances where they may need to be a little bit of a reinvention of the wheel to figure out how is my child going to adult? What are my target symptoms and how do I do that in a successful manner that will work for them? And you don't have to completely reinvent it in the sense that there are other parents, other people who have, carve the path before you, who have done it with their children, who may have useful things to share. I was actually listening to two wonderful podcasts that were done by Nicole Fish, who is the director for the Schwab Learning Center. She talked about managing some of these college transitions and had some really interesting ideas in there. So there are other people, amazing, well-knowledged people in the world who have things to offer, which we can obviously borrow from. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. I read about some research or some studies that showed that for transition aged adolescents with learning differences, that they experience significantly more anxiety than their peers without learning differences. Similarly, some kids with learning differences also can lack some social skills. So if they're lacking some social connectedness, they're more likely to experience that anxiety. So it's just interesting that an already potentially anxious time of your life can be even more so because of learning differences or learning challenges.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It can definitely make it all compounded because of how busy and full your plate gets when you're talking about this. And if each of those skills on the plate, you have to put extra time, energy and effort into learning. And let's not forget what we've not talked about here is while you're doing all this, you're seemingly also keeping your academic life on track and all kinds (laughs) of other things. So one can only imagine this is a very burdensome and a very heavy plate. And I think that is where going back to where we started this conversation, the management of expectations is that I think we make life harder for ourselves when we put these really rigid expectations of what that transition ought to look like and what timeline it needs to be finished in. And then mm-hmm. we're, we're really kind to ourselves and be like, you know what, if the goal is in sight and the light is at the end of the tunnel, if the timeline varies a little bit and does the pathway looks a little bit more meandering, that's just got to be okay. And we have to first yeah. stop judging ourselves as parents, yeah. as caregivers, as children and model that for the children by saying, you know what, we'll get there. We are going there. We are getting there. It's just going to look very, very different. And I think, It's not going to fix the anxiety, but it definitely can help to know that you have people in your corner who are looking out for you and who understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just acknowledging. You just mentioned that meandering path. It's going to look different. And everybody is different. So it should look different. And Dr. Krishnan, you talked about some of the things that parents or caregivers can do to kind of scaffold the process, right, of learning, like to do laundry, for example. I'm wondering, for our listeners, how can they most effectively support their young adults as they launch?
1: There are many, many things one can do. The unfortunate reality is that I think Maybe a decade or two ago, some of these things were woven into the regular high school education. Basic cooking skills were taught in school or basic budgeting was taught in school. Mm -hmm. The pressure of modern academics has gotten to a point where all of this has had to be subsumed and taken away from it and replaced by academic classes, which puts a large part of the burden of teaching these skills completely on parents, which is different than it used to be a generation or more ago. And I think that is one of the challenges. But I think we have something to borrow there, right? Because those are the skills that we are now teaching. So working on certain basic things, I basically will tell parents, put together a recipe book with five very, very simple things that you can teach your child to make, which they are open to eating, which are balanced meals, you need to teach them how to prep that, which in the yeah. easiest, simplest possible manner, because learning to cook is an important skill. The other thing, even if you've never done it, I think is worthwhile to do it if you can afford to do it, is actually have an experience when you're old enough to actually take public transportation to get somewhere. It mm-hmm. has so many multitude of skills that are required to come together in just the right way, where... You're just problem solving and figuring things out along the way. So facilitating that and being like, the summer, you know what? We'll give you some money. You go to point Z and come back and you figure out how you get there and how you get back, right? Or, you know, a good composite would be getting a job because it teaches you multiple of the skills we've talked about or doing uh, a volunteer or a paid internship of some kind, if you can manage to do that. The other thing is, if you have anybody who will take you, to be able to stay away from home, like go and stay somewhere else with anybody else, by -hmm. yourself, like go live with somebody else. Maybe it's a grandparent, a family friend who's somewhere else and you go travel there, you pack for yourself, you go stay at their home for a week or so, you come back, you will realize how many things you have to do on your own. Uh, And there's so many organizational kinds of things that come up with this. The other one I tell parents, I definitely do this with my kids and I think it's a useful life experience I make my children use real money. I actually don't let them use plastic because Mm -hmm. I think you know how much you can afford. When there's no limit on that card, it's easier to spend money and not realize how much things really cost and how much do you have money for. So I always tell people, make your children live within their means, even if it's not necessary, because it's a really, really useful skill to have. So if they
0: go, like you just mentioned, like go away for a week, stay with... A friend, a relative, somebody, like, get there on your own, pack, do it on your own and come back. And when they come back, is it important to kind of debrief that process with them so
1: that they start to cement some of that learning? Definitely in terms of debriefing, I would actually pre-brief, in fact, not just debrief. What I'll say is that this is the purpose. This is why we're doing it. It's a project. You know, I think putting that context in saying that I trust that you are ready for adulting because all of this begins from a place of trust, respect, and mutual responsibility. Mm -hmm. When you as a parent say, I think you're ready to do this. Here, take some money, go travel to person A, B, or C. It basically demonstrates your confidence in your child, which again, going back to that anxiety you spoke about, is so meaningful because sometimes that child is scared. They think, my parents are doing all this for me because they think I'm incapable of doing it, right? And the only way to learn, whether for the better or the worse, is by doing. And then that debrief is an amazing thing to bring back in to look at, okay, This was a thought experiment and now a trialed experiment. So what was easy? What was hard for you? Because now we know what worked and what didn't work. Any future plans can focus a little bit more of where you need the support as compared to where you clearly have mastered the skills, which makes your life as a parent so much easier because you're learning as they are learning as to how you can help them better.
0: I don't think parents really think about having to teach their kids these things, right? But it makes so much sense. We were just talking about things that parents or caregivers can do to support their kids or their young adults as they transition or launch. I'm wondering, looking at the individual who is launching, what can they do? Are there some strategies or tools that you might share that they could use?
1: My favorite thing is just like having the puberty talk or all of these other important talks, I think having an independence talk is also just as important at some particular stage in life. And my favorite terminology for it, and it's not its something I coined, I don't think it's in any particular book but I'd like to call it strategic individuation. What I mean by that is each kid has this hope and goal that I want to go away and do these things. And if you're planful about how you want to do that individuation, it's a journey and a process that an individual can take full charge of, right? They say, okay, this is where I'm going. This is what I need to do. And to be open to working with their Caregivers, other people, as to how they are going to move through these processes and what they're ready for and what they're not. So, when I say this, the reason I bring it up is I want it to be a journey that the individual is the driver of the bus. The Hmm. parents might set all these things up, but the doing is the individual. So, I think if you approach a strategic individuation, you have all these tools, the bus is full, your parents are ready. It's your journey to take the bus where you want the bus to go and how you want to make the journey and craft the journey. And that could be the conversation that the parents and the children are having. Okay, I'm ready for this. I'm not ready for that. I feel totally overwhelmed with this. So maybe then as a parent, okay, break it down further. Kind of how do we do that? So I think having that at least thought leadership from the individual is super, super helpful.
0: You shared so many great things. You shared from understanding that individuals are individuals, and this launching thing looks different. You shared how parents can start teaching independence with some skills, and some strategies and tools. I'm wondering, what else would
1: you like to say to our listeners as we wrap up this episode number one is do not feel shy to set up structures and systems in place that somebody can then launch off of, right? If you set up a structure and a system and the kid needs to just operate within the system, they don't have to create that system, I find that kids really do much better. The second thing is if your child will let you, continuing for a little bit of time, helping them with their health related things, because that system is so complicated to navigate that, you know, it can bring tears to the eyes of adults. You don't have to be involved in what they're actually telling their doctor. But if you want to help in terms of coordinating, setting up people, particularly for children who have mental health challenges or other things, so that that doesn't fall through the cracks. Because the last thing you want in the middle of all this is because they didn't connect with the doctor or didn't follow up adequately, you know, their mental health deteriorates to a point where it kind of sabotages the whole process. And the last one is we talked about learning differences and typical children. I also want to bring in kids who are neuroatypical in other ways besides having a learning difference. And even in those children based on ability, what we want to do is to take this independence process as far as you possibly can, because we always surprise ourselves with how Hmm. much kids are really capable of doing. And the reason for it is every child, no matter who they are, really likes to feel as connected as they possibly can and have as much freedom as they possibly can.
0: Yeah, and I think that's so important. And you mentioned this previously too in your comments that the more that the parent can give the child, the more responsibility, the greater independence, that also builds the child's confidence, right? Because they're thinking, okay, well, mom and dad are giving this to me, they must think I could do it. So I'm just gonna do it. Such an important conversation, such an important time of life. Thank you, Dr. Krishnan for sharing with us today your expertise, your insights. And to our listeners, just want you to know one of the things that Dr. Krishnan mentioned was our Schwab Learning Center and the Schwab Learning Center is at CHC and available to students who need some additional help. You can also access therapy services for your young adult at CHC. You can reach us at 650-688-3625 or email the care team, careteam at chconline.org. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us as well. And we hope you'll tune in again next week. Thank you. Visit us online at podcast.chconline.org. Make sure to subscribe to Voices of Compassion so you never miss an episode. And we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review. Have a question? Send us an email or voice memo at podcasts at chconline.org. We're here for you when you need us.